truth, goodness, and beauty. They're at the core of what good Christian art is. Welcome to the Chinook Podcast. We are here plodding away steadily, praying that the Spirit would move mightily here in northwestern Canada to thaw the spiritually frozen hearts of men and women in our nation. Now, today is a bit of a different kind of a podcast. We were out of recordings, and our co host, Brad Donovan, is at work out in the field for a bit. In light of that, I decided to bring my wife on to talk about her background in and her thoughts on the arts, especially in light of Christianity and the arts. So welcome. Please tell us your name and tell us what you're reading right now. Hey, I'm Ashley Zeckfeld, and what I'm reading right now is the book Still Thinking, and it's by Jason Bauman. It's the sequel to his first book, Just Thinking, And it's some fun little doodles and deep thoughts and on scriptural matters and using a lot of typography and common sayings, but kind of giving them a twist to uh, provoke thought. And it's a fun little book, fun little coffee table read. Yeah, he's a graphic designer working out of Ontario, right? That's right. Yeah. And he would also be a Christian. Yes. Okay. So we've got more than one Christian working in arts and in graphic design. Yeah. So, um, well, I'm going to start off with an introduction. Um, I'll introduce the topic for today, and then I'll start asking Ashley a number of questions. Um, She's the expert. I'm not. So I'm Nathan Zeckfeld. I'm working here as the pastor of Christ Covenant Church. Generally speaking, you hear me recording this podcast with co-hosts Jamie Souls and Brad Donovan. Um, This week they're not here, but in future weeks they'll be here again. I just want to make, uh, sorry, take a moment to reflect on the arts before I ask Ashley to share some of her knowledge on a number of questions. I've always had some interest in the arts, but I was a liberal arts student. I was going to a liberal arts college, which is more like philosophy and writing. So I only dabbled in the arts, and I also dabbled in the arts as a result of this liberal arts college. I do believe, though, that in the Christian community, we need more Christians who refine talents in this area, and that all Christians should strive to learn about this and develop an appreciation for good art. This is part of our duty as Christians to take dominion in this world under the lordship of Christ and as witnesses to the good work that he is doing in us. Notice, for example, that Bezalel and Aholiab in Exodus 31, verse 1 to 6, and then Exodus 36 to 39, have the Spirit of God come upon them. God equips them and makes them able to work as artists. Notice that's distinct from prophet, priest, and king, which is usually uh, the, the, the task that the Spirit equips men and women for. Now, I have a couple books alongside of me from the last 100 years. I have a book from Abraham Kuyper entitled Wisdom and Wonder, Common Grace and Science and Art. I have a book from Francis Schaeffer entitled How Shall We Then Live? The Rise and Decline of Western Thought and Culture. I also have a book by Andy Crouch entitled Culture Making. If you want a broader framework on the arts, it doesn't get into the, uh, the details, but it gives you a broader framework. You can see the fruit of the rise and fall of civilizations and the quality of and message being conveyed through the arts. 
Since man is made in the image of God, he is a creator, an artist like his creator. Schaefer writes, as a man thinks, so is he. And so the art of culture reflects the mind of that culture. The art of a man or woman reflects what is in his or her heart. Is it a culture that is despairing? Is it a culture that is hopeful? Is it a joyful culture, a party culture, a sad culture, a stressed out culture? Well, that's going to be conveyed in the art. We can see the fruits of that in painting, in graphic design, in architecture, in music, in filming, and photography, even in interior decoration. If you attend art school, you will see that many of these institutions have been gripped by the modern rebellion against God, by postmodern and even nihilistic values. We still see old Christian values of sacrifice and love shine through, even in a culture of despair, but increasingly only in little glimmers. It was a surprise to me then that when I met my wife, she was in her fourth year of art school and was still a Christian. And not just a Christian, but a Christian who was active in the church and in campus ministry like the pro-life movement. That's a rare thing, especially in the art educational world. The modern godless art school had not managed to kill her soul. And given a number of qualities that she had, that was an attractive thing and still is. So here I want to do a flyover of some of the reasons she loves art, what art is, and what it means to be a Christian artist. I'm sure she could teach a year's worth of classes or more on the history of art, the types of art, and the Christian foundations of art, but we will have to suffice for a few brief questions, uh, a brief flyover right now. So, first of all, um, Ashley, could you explain to us, tell us about your two degrees in art, where you went to school, and what your specialization was in in both uh, academic institutions? Yeah, I can. Um, so I have a fine arts diploma from the University of the Fraser Valley and also an advanced three-year diploma in visual communication from Capilano University. I specialize in the area of traditional and digital illustration and graphic design and also branding. So, And um, included in those, in those diplomas, some of the courses I've taken are documentary filmmaking, some printmaking, so I don't know if you're familiar with lino cut and etching, but we did some of that, which was Could you explain fun. lino cut and etching? Yeah, lino cut, um, so you cut into a piece of linoleum with some tools, some sharp tools of various sizes, and then you ink them up, and then you run it through a press on top of a piece of paper, so the the, uh, the press pushes down, it's one big roller, kind of like a, kind of like what you use to roll bread with but you're oh. running your art through it and it squishes the lin linoleum onto the paper and leaves a print. And so what's fun about that is you can do that on t-shirts or you can, you know, you can make, you know, multiple copies of it, uh, however many you want of the same artwork. And, so you would uh, be able to do t-shirt design then? With that, yeah. And it would be kind of, it would still have that handmade quality as opposed to something you just send in digitally to print. Okay. So that's fun. And then what's etching? Etching, uh, you take a metal plate... Um, and you uh, carve into it with metal instruments as well, and you dip it into, I forget what the exact solution is, but it's like an acid wash solution, which is pretty toxic, so we had to gear up with goggles and gloves, and depending on how long you put it in for, it would change your results. So if you wanted a darker etching, you would leave it in longer, I believe, in the acid bath. And then you would clean off some of the acid with some acetone, which is just like what's in nail polish remover. So um, that was kind of a fun learning process too. I really enjoyed that one. 
Um, yeah, so those, that was printmaking class. That's what we did there. Um, I also took quite a few photography classes. I took sculpture, uh, mixed media. So that was kind of, I had an odd professor for that, an atheist <laughs> professor who liked to make things out of human hair. So that was, <laughs> she kind of freaked me out, honestly. But. Very interesting. So did you have to cut your hair and, and let them make art out of it? Uh, no, we didn't have to. It's just she described some of the artwork she did that way, and she would actually go to local hair salons and ask for their extra hair that they sweep off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> she was a strange lady. <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So that, needless to say, that wasn't my favorite class. I think if I was taught by a different professor, I might have enjoyed it. It's kind of the the concept of just taking found materials and, and doing things with them. That so you don't have a specialization in hair art then? No, <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, we also did some copywriting, character design, animation, some coding, which I'm still very poor at, Um UI UX also not well, yeah, my strength. <laughs> coding isn't really art so much; it's more like the techie, computer-minded yeah. side of it. Exactly, and and that's not necessarily my strength. I can manage; I can do some WordPress customization, but uh, but it's definitely not my strength. And she, I would like to develop that more. Ashley customized my uh, my blog. Yeah, so. yeah, and then we took a few other. Uh, oh, art history, of course. Forgot to mention that. I took quite a few art history courses. And um, a really fun class I took was postage stamp design. So coming up with concepts for um, the uh, Canadian postage uh, system was oh. really fun. And we had someone who actually designed a few come and teach us that and, uh, and really pushed us to come up with really unique concepts um, for, the, uh, for the theme of hockey in Canada. And it was, it was really a, a good challenge. Oh, yeah. very cool. Mm -hmm. So you, you did a lot of different things, but your, your focus was what again? So my focus is, is in the area of traditional digital illustration and graphic design and branding. And I do some acrylic painting too. Yeah. Yeah. So acrylic painting, do you do any other kinds of painting than acrylic? Yeah, I do watercolor as well. And okay. I have done a little bit of oil and uh, not my strength, okay. <laughs> but I'd love to do it more. It's so rich and, um, and lovely, but uh, I also, I like to work fast so oil takes a while, and it sits a little too long for my liking. Well, I saw a recent acrylic painting that you did. Uh, I believe that was an acrylic painting, correct? Which one was that? Uh, the flower one. Oh, that was watercolor. Oh, that was watercolor. That was watercolor. Okay. With a little bit of colored pencil for the background. Uh, that yeah. seemed to be a lot of work. It was a lot of work, yeah. <laughs> but I'm really happy with how it turned out, and I, uh, I wanted to challenge myself with irises because I got a ton of detail with those yellow stripes on them and... So acrylic yeah. painting goes a little bit faster then. Then watercolor. Watercolor also dries really fast. It's oil that's slow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so these are the kind of discussions we have at home because I'm largely ignorant with regards to art and, and Ashley teaches me a lot about art. So we'll move on to the next question. Um, what are some of the projects that you have done since your education? Yeah. So one of the projects I've done is some vehicle wrap designs. So I did one for a big semi-truck, which had like some cordage and wires. I think it was for an electrician company. I can't remember. But yeah, it was, uh, it was really cool. That was a good, good fun one. And then um, also did some vehicle wrap designs for a company called Smart Garage. And that was on some regular size cars and some trucks. Then I did some, uh, let me see. 
all just some acrylic painting, some Copic marker work, some colored pencil work, a series of bird illustrations that were all done in colored pencil. I did some acrylic painting, like a triptych of three different uh, leaves that um, all have a white background and same color scheme and are meant to kind of sit together. And then I did Inktober. That was fun. A couple oh, yeah. years back. Yeah, that um, was fun to see. Yeah, it was a big time commitment. <laughs> <laughs> My poor family. But <laughs> um, yeah, so you have to come up with a, a pen drawing every single day, which, yeah, it, it yep. was really a fun challenge. Not something I could do all the time with a, with the family, but... Um, You've done some book designs too, right? Oh, yeah, book designs too. So um, actually mainly for pastors. Um, so a book design for Pastor Wittavine and Pastor Mitchell Persaud for his book. Um, Both reformed pastors in Canada. Yes, and that was those were fun projects. What you've, else did I do? You've also done some logos. Logos, yeah. You did one for my uh, parents' church. Yes, Hope Center. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, the the logo mark on that one was a cross, but it was made up of squares to show that the church is made up of individuals, but together we make a whole, the whole body of Christ. Yep. So that was kind of the concept behind that one. So Ashley's primary job is uh, working as a homemaker, but these are all kind of extra things that she's yeah. picked up on the sidelines just to uh, keep her art fine-tuned. And and currently I'm working on a, a series of illustrations for Pastor Wittavine as well. And so those are on the topics of scientism, critical race theory, freedom, transhumanism, and kind of all the current topics of the world events today. So more idea-based art. Yeah, more conceptual. Yeah. And that's been kind of fun because Ashley and I can kind of talk about the different ideas yeah. that she's working on. Mm -hmm. um, you helped I, me a lot with the last one. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of fun to kind of chat about that and figure out what ideas are good without being cliche or, yeah. uh, or chintzy or <laughs> so, I know, something like that. Cause right? the, the cliche <laughs> but, ones are always the ones that come first to mind and you're like, okay, I got to throw that one out. <laughs> but yeah. you kind of have to go through the process to get through the good ones. Like I remember learning in arts, art school, um, that for every a hundred ideas you write down, which you should ideate a hundred if you got the time, um, 10 will be good and one will be great. Uh, and the rest yeah. are, you know, probably going to be some variation of a cliche or another so I think we learned pretty much exactly the same thing in writing class at college um so Andy Wilson basically taught us write down a sentence write it down a hundred different ways mm -hmm. and only pick uh pick the 10 best ones and then pick the best one out of those 10 right so it's it's a very similar thing do you do that yeah do you do that uh, uh, strategy? I don't right? really do that anymore, but mm -hmm. I did that in college. <laughs> I know. It's something I've, I've thought about picking up again, too. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good thing to do. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next question. Um, question number three. What types of art are out there, and what do you like or, uh, or dislike about each? Sorry, I was going to say, what are some of the types of art yeah. that are out there? Because there's, there's too way many too to many. in one <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Maybe in a future podcast or 20 podcasts, we'll talk about everything. Delve into it all, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll start with some of the ones I dislike the most. <laughs> I really dislike data or dataism. Uh, so that was developed in reaction to World War One. It The whole concept of it is it rejects logic, reason, and embraces chance and irrationality. 
And an example of that would be by the artist John Hans Arp, and he did a work called Untitled, unsurprisingly, <laughs> <laughs> and in brackets, collage with squares arranged according to the laws of chance. So apparently he was frustrated by a drawing he was working on, and he tore it up in pieces, and he, he threw it on the ground, and he was struck by the pattern it made on the ground. And he was like, wow, that's pretty great. And he's like, chance has decided this. And he took those pieces and pasted them down on paper and called it art. <laughs> and frankly, I mean, there's no skill required in that. No, no truth displayed, no meaning, no intention, no attempt at good composition or contrast. It was just a failed art piece that was threw on the ground and chance decided where, <laughs> where the squares fell. And that was how it came yeah. out. So looking at that artwork, I mean, it's not particularly inspiring in any way because it really is just meaningless. Yeah, it doesn't teach you anything about yourself, about the world, or about no. God. Yeah. It's not, even, it's not even beautiful to look at. So, so I, I know you probably haven't written this down, but while we're talking about dataism, mm -hmm. um, it reminds me of the word pointillism, but pointillism seems to be something very different than dataism. Right. I remember different. walking yeah. through an art, display in Hamilton, Ontario, mm -hmm. and you showed me what pointillism was. Yeah, so pointillism, if I'm remembering my art history well, uh, an artist by the name of Seurat, C-E-U-R-A-T, I believe, yeah. um, he does pointillism work. So he does that, pretty sure he does that beach scene with the ladies with the umbrellas. And pointillism is just using really small dots of paint. It's very time-consuming and of different colors. And interspersed throughout the painting and it creates a very almost like still image like it's very how do I describe it like almost flat but very interesting I remember it being really cool very static like but in a good way a very interesting way yeah so um yeah it's it's a big commitment though as an artist <laughs> to work in that style Pizarro yeah. also works somewhat in that style oh, too okay he's uh He's also one of my favorites. I've heard the name Pizarro. I've mm -hmm. not looked too closely at his work. But. Yeah. It, it, the way he does pointillism, it, he just really captures light very well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah, you can keep on going with the other ones. Oh, yeah. Likes and dislikes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to give the, the negative first. <laughs> That's okay. okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so there's Duchamp, which which also similar to the last artist, uh, it, it's kind of meaningless art again, right? Uh, he, uh, I don't know if you've seen this art piece, but he takes a urinal and kind of tips it on its side and signs it Armut. Ah, uh, yeah. And so he was in the, he was in the uh, way of doing ready-mades. I've studied that kind of postmodern art in yeah. uh, philosophy type classes. <laughs> right, and he was basically saying, look, anything can be art, and it was kind of a mockery of what art is and just saying anything could be art. And, uh, and I, I strongly disagree. <laughs> so, um, because yeah, again, there's no skill, there's no truth. There's no, there's nothing that, um, he's really trying to convey besides like a nihilism, I yep. guess. So, and then, uh, thirdly, uh, another artist slash style I don't appreciate is Francis Bacon. <laughs> and like, I mean, even his last name really fits with the kind of art he's creating because he he kind of depicts like these raw meat type looking, grotesque, nasty 
demonic looking artwork and it's uh it's really shocking and uh, realistic in a lot of ways and just really hard to look at yeah. and so even though it's i would say skillfully rendered because his details are incredible um it's it's neither uh, it's neither truthful or beautiful yeah. it doesn't pick, depict goodness right so yeah, so those are my least favorites. Yeah, I remember Francis Bacon's name because at, uh, I believe it was at New St. Andrews College, mm -hmm. there was a time where everybody was making fun of him. Yeah. And then you just showed me some artwork, and I was like, yeah, now I understand why everybody was making fun of <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Eh? <laughs> oh, I was going to also mention there's a performance art too, certain performance art. I remember studying that, and I really didn't enjoy that section of art history either because there's this lady, Marina oh, Abramovitz something along those lines. Sorry, I don't, I didn't write this down, but yeah. she, her, her work as well was quite, uh, ugh, not a fan. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then the kind of work I do really like, um, also probably too much to mention, but I'll, I'll, I'll give an overview. I really like the Art Nouveau style, just personal preferencing. I, I really like, I've always been a big fan of beautiful line work almost like a tattoo style. Like it's very flowing lines, very like it has the line gets thick and then it gets thin in certain places. It creates a really nice movement. Um, so I, I really like that style. I also like Mark Rothko and his abstract floating rectangle paintings. Um, I know probably some people give him some flack for that, but he, he really understands color theory. And I think it's really cool how some of the rectangles kind of uh, recede while the others kind of float suspended. And it takes some skill to understand how to do that, the way he kind of blurs the edges. and Yeah, he's the guy who didn't want people to put his artwork behind their couches, right? That's right. So he would make them floor-to-ceiling height <laughs> so, <laughs> so you wouldn't funny. get it to match your match your decor in your living room. Like, come on, man. <laughs> you can make more sales that way. <laughs> but he, he meant his art to be kind of an experience, right? Not Not to be a... Oh, this matches our couch. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, you know, you know an artist who's really trying to do something cool mm -hmm. if he's not doing it for the sales, but he's doing it for just trying to do something cool. Right. right? And I can appreciate the mentality, right? So yeah. It's got to be more than just a, uh, an aesthetic. It's got to, he, he did try to incorporate some meaning. Yeah. I also really like MC Escher. I believe he was also a mathematician. And that really shows in his work because it's, um, it's very, like he does op optical illusion type drawings and they're very, very detailed and, and challenging. I've attempted a few tessellations myself and uh, I think it does require somewhat of a mathematic mind to really pull it off. Um, yeah, because there's just, it has to be so precise. So very interesting, really inspiring, especially in my younger days. And uh, I remember also going to the Ontario Art Museum and seeing some John Ruskin there. So he is a bit of a philosopher, um, like study architecture, and he did some architecture uh, drawings, and I think he used watercolor as well. So a bit of ink, a bit of watercolor. And they're just really beautifully done because in some points of the artwork, it's really, really detailed, and it shows like a really beautiful pillar, for instance, with all the floral details on it. And, and then it kind of has the watercolor wash over it, and then the details kind of fade into the watercolor and it kind of becomes less detailed as you go to the outer edges. Oh. It's just really beautiful. I, cool. I just love his work. I'll have to look up John Ruskin when I get home. Yeah. And then a few more. I already mentioned Pizarro. And 
Um, there's Caravaggio, of course, more of a classic with his, I'm going to try to say this right, Curiosquiro. Yeah. <laughs> well, my favorite Caravaggio painting is still that one of Paul lying mm. down on the road, lifting his hands up yeah. because of the blinding light. Like and such does, a dramatic angle, too. Because he does really good religious art. It's from the worm's eye view, that one. Yeah. So you're kind of almost on the ground with him as you're looking up at this monstrous horse. <laughs> Which is the intent of religious art is to mm. kind of bring you into the biblical experience, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you so. really feel that in that painting. What, what, what do you think about Rembrandt? Because Rembrandt does a lot of religious yeah. art too. Rembrandt um, also love his style. Um, I have a whole book on him actually, and I've leafed through that one quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I find Caravaggio much more dynamic mm -hmm. than Rembrandt, and I think that's the power of Caravaggio. Yes, right. So. It's it's definitely more dramatic with that the sharp lighting. For all the artists out there listening to me, if I sound a bit ignorant, that's okay. <laughs> I haven't studied art. <laughs> so you can just have fun with it. <laughs> um, and finally, I was going to mention Goya, or his full name, Francisco Jose de Goya. Why? why? I don't know. How you, Lucien Tess, is yeah. that right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I think so. Uh, everyone just calls him Goya, though. He's a Spanish painter, made prints and paintings of the horrors of war. And so even though it's darker work, I think he was trying to depict the evilness of, a, of it in a way that's not glorifying. But because you so often see artwork that glorifies war, yeah, um, where it's kind of romanticized. Yes. Like all the propaganda for the um, calling... American soldiers, like, we need you, right? Yeah. Um, it kind of glorified war as, like, you'll be this hero and it'll be awesome. And Well, you and you see that in a lot of movies, modern-day movies, right. where you, even if it's bloody and gory, it's still kind of glorifying all of it. Yeah. When it's it's just really a nasty thing. It's nasty and it's, it's also quite sad. I mean, Goya does this, and I think he does it respectfully. So he does this artwork, though, of a... Um, a man in during the war that was impaled by a tree. It's pretty graphic. I can still picture it from when I saw it in the art museum, but it's like, even though it's not like beautiful in the sense of like, this is a lovely thing to look at. I think it does depict a truth yep. and an important one that, uh, that we shouldn't glorify war yep. in that way. Um, and they're really, they're done in kind of a smaller scale too. And the way they were di displayed at the museum is they kind of had a bigger frame. So it kind of drew you into that moment. Anyway, so I I, uh, I appreciate his work too. Even though it's not like beautiful or lovely as some others are. But. Yeah, but it, it, I guess it depicts the, uh, the truth angle. Yeah, it's kind of like a documentary almost, but yeah. in still form. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any others in your list? Uh, that's all I wrote down, but there's definitely more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we don't have the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we could just keep on naming out off painters yeah. and their strengths and their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. um, all right, well then I'm going to move on to question number four that I have here. Are you a fan of Thomas Kincaid? <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, Thomas Kincaid fans uh, so, out so there. <laughs> it's, it's, I guess another way to ask, ask the question is: Is uh, Thomas Kincaid the epitome of what Christian art should be? I would say no. Um, and just, just to start off, I would say he's very talented. Yes. Uh, he understands color, composition, um, very skilled in rendering 
somewhat realistic scenes. Um, so he definitely has that element going for him, and it's also beautiful, but it's not necessarily truthful. And there's a great quote from the book Art for God's Sake. It's by the author Philip Graham Riken. It's a bit of a longer quote, so stick with me, but I'll, I'm just going to read the whole thing because I think it's really good and it encapsulates perfectly how I feel about Thomas Kincaid. So it goes, The problem with some modern and postmodern art is that it seeks to offer truth at the expense of beauty. It tells the truth only about ugliness and alienation, leaving out the beauty of creation and redemption. A good deal of so-called Christian art tends to have the opposite problem which is where Thomas Kincaid comes in. Mm -hmm. It tries to show beauty without admitting the truth about sin, and to that extent it is false, dishonest about the tragic implications of our depravity. Think of all the bright, sentimental landscapes that portray an ideal world unaffected by the fall, or the light, cheery melodies that characterize the Christian life as one of undiminished happiness. Such a world may be nice to imagine, but is not the world God sent his son to save. So, yeah, that's kind of... That's kind of the problem with Thomas Kincaid art is, is it's it's overly cheery. There's no sense of struggle, no sense of sin, uh, and everything is is happy go lucky, right? Yeah. And that's just not the real world that we live in, and, uh, and that's why I think um, people can appreciate things like the Book of Job even, yeah, um, because it depicts a struggle, but it also just depicts beauty and truth and the human condition a lot more clearly than any Thomas Kincaid, Kincaid painting would, right? So. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's the whole Bible for you, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, yeah. you go through the Bible, and it's like, yeah, some of this content is almost rated R. Yeah. And um, modern Christian painters or, or artists sometimes struggle to depict the struggle with sin, the misery of this world, and then the hope of the gospel in the midst of it. Right, exactly. Yeah. So. All right. So we've talked a little bit about Thomas Kincaid. Now we'll move on to question number five. I was once told by a Christian who was into the arts that art is all about pushing the line. Is that true? Um, I'd say it can be about pushing a line. Uh, it doesn't always have to be controversial or shocking, though, even though there is certainly a place pushing the line because art is all all about trying to give you a new perspective mm-hmm. that maybe you've not thought about um which is interesting too because i feel like um graphic design for instance has a different motive it uh it's all about solving a problem yeah not necessarily trying to provide a new perspective although it can but um you're like traditional fine arts are are usually about presenting a question or giving you a new thought. And so I think there's definitely a place for pushing the line. Um, but it always does. It doesn't always have to be some dramatic thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, graphic design, I, I guess that gets in a little bit into the differences between the two. Mm-hmm. Would you say graphic design is more often used for marketing, whereas art is more just purely for the love of it? Or is it possible for graphic design to just be purely for the love of it too? Definitely. Um, yeah, they, they kind of intersect at points, but yeah, at their core, uh, graphic design is more uh, geared towards marketing and selling and solving a client's problem, for instance. Um, yeah. And then art is more to just invoke thought. And... Yeah. 
give you a time to be pensive and uh and that has its value too yeah and uh it doesn't always have to be utilitarian right I'm trying to remember that C.S. Lewis quote. Maybe you can help me out, but... Oh, yeah, that C.S. Lewis quote about uh, things like literature and art... And friendship. And, and friendship not having survival value, yeah. but giving value to survival. Exactly. And, and, and that's something that I've kind of had to struggle with, too, is that um, you, you kind of feel like it, art has to, be, has to be practical, right? But yeah. it, it, can, it can just exist as well. Like Yeah. For enjoyment and for uh, deeper thought. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I think in the Dutch, in the world of Dutch people and Dutch immigrants to mm -hmm. Canada and North America, yeah, I think you do find actually a decent number of of artists of various forms in there. Mm -hmm. But it kind of goes against that that Dutch practicalness or yes. realism. Where, yeah, you know what? Sometimes it's good to be a little less practical. Sometimes it's good to be a little bit less of a realist, right? And uh, and get into the, uh, the the arts and have that enjoyment of life as well. Yeah. Don't just live life. Enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Smell the roses a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's allowed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, question number six: uh, What is a Christian view of art? Um, so I touched on it a little bit, but um, I think the core concepts uh, are truth, goodness, and beauty. They're yeah. at the core of what good Christian art is. Um, and just a note about beauty, I don't think it necessarily means like a happy sunshine and rainbows kind of um, kind of thing. But it could be, for instance, a sad scene that depicts a truth that's skillfully rendered. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like that could be... That could be beautiful too. Yeah, doesn't always mean happy and surface level. So truth, beauty, and goodness defined by the Word of God, done mm. for the glory of God. Exactly. Done in service to Christ. Yeah. Okay, um, and and that also means that uh, um, I, I think we, we were talking a little bit before this podcast, and I think you were talking about how. Um, part of beauty is actually just getting really good at art. Yeah. So, um, really knowing your color theory and contrast and symmetry, um, yeah. using lots of detail, uh, using a variety of line work. Um, th there's many elements in there, but they all contribute to a pleasing composition in the end. Yeah. So for me, as like a pastor, somebody who's been trained a little bit more in the philosophical tradition, it's easy to have an idea of art, mm -hmm. but there's something very important about like the fine details, um, having the, the, the proper mechanics, um, being able to do it well. Right. Yeah. That's still important. Yeah. 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 Very cool. All right. So uh, question number seven, how can Christians transform art and art education in Canada? And especially in Northwestern yeah. Canada, since that's the focus of Chinook podcast. That is a big question. Um, well, I mean, this is a start, right? Having these conversations. Yeah. Um, I think also um, something I've held to, too, is even, even from a young age, in elementary school, for instance, 
you know, art's kind of regulated to the side. You know, one day a week you glue some popsicle sticks together and, and there's your art class, right? <laughs> and I think that's kind of a shame because I've taught some younger art students and they are capable of so much more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think Christians should be the best at art. So let's let's teach young students that, that have a knack for it. Like, let's really inspire them and challenge them and not just give them crafts to do. But actual, like, teach them the concepts, teach them art history, teach them, uh, yeah, good composition and balance and uh, good color theory. Introduce them to tons of different mediums, like, you know, oil pastel, chalk pastel, do some pen and ink, do some uh, really high-quality colored pencils, like Prismacolor pencils, do some marker, like, just really throw them in there and let them experiment. Um and as their skill grows, you can give them uh, higher quality materials too. And then they're able to do more, right? It's kind of like um, I know with my sister when she was taking piano lessons, she reached a point where she, the upright piano wasn't doing it anymore. So she was trying to play these advanced songs on the piano that really required a better instrument. And I think it's fine to start off with a with a you know, the, the cheaper tools in the beginning as you're learning. But as soon as you can to get the quality materials, like it just expands your abilities and creates a finer final product. And so that's more just strategically how to become good at it. But um, as far as content and what you're trying to convey, well, that just comes down to having a lot of like knowledge and um, having a good theology of art. Yeah. And so that's where your Christian community comes in. That's where uh, reading a lot comes in, reading classics, reading things that challenge you, um, and even reading stuff that uh, from opposite views, just to engage your critical thinking. Yeah. Um, those are all good things. Yeah, so we want to uh, encourage young people in the church to be culture makers, culture shapers, leaders in the culture, not people who uh, follow the latest women fashion of a secular godless culture, but people who actually uh, pump truth, goodness, and beauty into the culture. Um, that would include encouraging young men to become architects, building cool church buildings rather than the uh, massive monolithic <laughs> structures that really have no beauty, um, encouraging young men and women to become artists. Maybe you might not be able to make a living off of being an artist, but it's definitely something that you can do alongside being a mom, alongside being oh, yeah. a worker in the industry. Um, there, there's so many cool things that I think we can teach young Christians to do and, uh, and, and lead the way ourselves. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. So, um, I don't know how many more thoughts we have on this. Are, are you kind of out of ideas here? Yeah. And I, I think we got to get back to our kids. So. <laughs> yeah. Our kids are in the next rooms over. So, uh, one is sleeping and the other one is watching Paw Patrol <laughs> while we record this podcast. So <laughs> anyway, we wanted to, uh, share these ideas for you and, uh, take this opportunity to, uh, to, to share good ideas. And, um, yeah, this is Chinook podcast. We're happy to share this with you. We 
really want to see more Christians who are doing their artwork from underneath the authority of Christ and the lordship of Christ. And we really want to see uh, Christians who, who think in Christian ways about art and, and become culture makers. So anyway, yeah. that's all we have for today. And uh, you have a great day.